It's time for the Chaps Chat Cats mid-season review! That's right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everybody in between, welcome to the mid-season review episode, the Chaps Chat Cast. My name's Jake, already, and I'm joined in the studio by Sambo and Johnny. How are you, chaps? Good. Good? Fantastic at the mid-season review as a Cats fan. Pretty uh, tidy spot we find ourselves in. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a, a long weekend, chaps. How was it? John, you work in hospitality. Uh, was it sort of yep, a scor- scor- scorched earth policy? Yep. Get him in, get him out. Very good. Sam? My long weekend was just like any other collection of three or four days. <laughs> Fantastic. Doesn't make any difference to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, I had a little bit of uh, social Your time. Your whole life is a long weekend of... Looking after children and um, children and house and, renovations and, and just just very un um sort of unroutinized un unroutinized <laughs> how do you say that word oh, okay. non 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 routine work so yeah it doesn't weekends mean nothing to me uh, I don't even know why we had the long week was this the Queen's birthday that's yes. the one Sam well done uh, many, happy, many happy returns the old fart yeah um. Yeah, no, nah, it was fine. It was very, un- I will say, very unfootbally. I didn't. I don't think I watched a single game of football. I'm, I am sorry to admit. <laughs> I did have a good, good, real good moment of the round when we saw the demons get done by the pies. We did, but I didn't even know they were playing. So that just sums yeah, up yeah. my my attitude about football this week. Well, <laughs> this is how, this playing. is the depths to which I don't care when the cats aren't involved. Exactly. I didn't even know there was a game Thursday, and then no. there was a game Thursday, and then there were some other games throughout the weekend that looked like they were pretty snore snore fests. Well, ironically, I I well I, I made up for it because I watched more footy this weekend than I that's have. That's true. Actually, I did watch half a game of football at your house, Jake. Yeah, that's true. Watching it, I was at your house and I saw half a game of football, and then I wiped it from my memory because yep. I <laughs> completely forgot something. Careless. Love it, love it. Um, so that's what we're doing this this uh, episode. We're doing our mid-season review. We thought about doing it late last week, but then we thought. Well, we can take a long weekend. That's all right. And we'll just come back at a normally slotted Monday time. Um, in a few days' Absolutely. time, you'll also be able to check out our State of Play episode, uh, updating you on all the ins, outs, and our thoughts on the AFLW Cats, the trade and signing period. Um, so that'll be out in a few days' time as well. And then we'll be back with a preview podcast, all of that sort of stuff. But today, it's the mid-season review um, what is it? What is it? It's the mid-season review. That's mid-season review. That's what it is. I thought, I thought you were asking me and Sam. You like? Yeah, I thought it was it. I thought it was it. I was on the spot. I was like, I don't know what. Yeah, yeah it was like, are you, are you just like, are, are, is it like we're not paying attention? Well, it's are we, time just frozen for the chaps chat cats mid-season oh, review. Oh, yeah. Get your glow sticks out. Mid-season review time. All right, chaps. I'm going to run you through the results so far. 
Speaking of a song, disco, that sounds like my kind of party because you just take your headphones off and there's no loud music pumping everywhere and you can just so go sit down in a quiet area and have a few drinks and enjoy yeah, yourself. I, I have I have to tell you, John, I've experienced uh, silent disco and we although you can take off the headphones, it's not that silent because I... you're you're very close proximity to like <laughs> fifty plus people scuffling. So oh, sh- sh- and then <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> So what you're saying is great entertainment for yourself. Yes, but it's it's certainly not it's certainly not quiet. There's this <laughs> a chorus of scuffling and huffing. Uh, it's just it's actually it's quite depressing. Quite um, depressing. Oh, far out. Yeah. Fair so enough. John, John, I love I love this. You know, people like listening to the chaps for the first time. John's like a silent disco. That's my sort of thing. You can actually. Have a conversation. It's like, yes, we're in our thirties and we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So let's run through the results and then I'm going to throw to you chaps for your thoughts. We'll go to you first, John, and then to you, Sam. The cats open things up with 138 to 72 win over the bombers uh, at the MCG. From there, they traveled up to Sydney lost by 30 points uh, to the Sydney Swans in a game that was post, uh, delayed about 45 minutes in the final quarter after Lance Franklin kicked a goal um, and an AFL staged crowd riot, um, AFL yeah. sanctioned crowd riot. Oh, no, they would never sanction something like that. Of course not. Um, no, so 30 of course point not. It was just a goal. Lost there for the Cats. Then they went back to the MCG for the second time in three weeks, took on the Pies, and the Pies were up big time going into the final quarter, and it looked like, uh-oh, the Cats got to be one and two, but the Cats stormed home. Uh, winning the final quarter by a massive margin to take out a 13-point win, 104-91. to Cats went back home, true home for the first time this season, took on the Lions. Down at Cadinia Park, they've triumphed 80-70 to over the Lions, despite missing Joel Selwood and Tom Stewart. Easter Monday, dark day against the Scum, as the Cats were beaten 92-80 to by Hawthorne. That's all we're saying there. Um, the Cats then got back on the winners list with a 60-point win over North Melbourne down in Tassie. They went home to get in Cadinia Park. Youngster Max Holmes went down injured and the Cats lost to Freo 66-69. They went on the road to the GWS Giants, rested Selwood, and won 88-35. Then they lost to the Saints at Marvel Stadium, 90 to 80. It had gone win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. We were asking for some consistency before the bye, and the Cats found it. They had a 35-point win over Port Adelaide down at Cadinia Park. The following week, they fronted up at home again with a 42-point win over the Adelaide Crows, and they finished things off, lads, uh, just before the bye with a Friday night clash with the Western Bulldogs that they won 83 to 70. After storming out to an early lead, losing Tom Stewart, resting Paddy Dangerfield, the youngsters stood up, the old guys stood up, the whole team stood up to weather a bulldog storm in the middle two quarters before charging home in the last, off the back of some sharp shooting from Jeremy Cameron. They sit eight wins, four losses, just outside that top four. Johnny, your thoughts on the first 12 games of the season? Ah, what more could we possibly ask for the Cats this season apart from a couple of blips on the radar 
I feel like it's been a really solid um, first half of the season. And as a, um, the fixture says, it's it's not a really tough horrendous run for the Cats. They've got some a couple of tough opponents in there, but there's a lot of other teams in there that are struggling a bit, aren't playing the best footy this year, and still on the development road. So we've got through some really big tough games then in a fantastic position in with eight and four really happy um i think that last win against the bulldogs has really boosted that confidence for everyone and i came out of it feeling really excited really optimistic about the cats chances uh, it was fantastic to see the defensive unit work so well without with losing tom stewart early on um seeing the young guys step up immensely in that game as well so yeah, I'm just really pleased with this season. And if, um, as the old saying goes, if you asked, how would you feel if you're eight and four at halfway through the season? I'll go, yeah, I'll, anyone would take that. Be pretty happy with that, just sitting outside the top four. Um, so yeah, um, very pleased with the performance. It's good to see consistency now in the team, and you can see that new game plan, new roles for some players really starting to take its shape and seeing Saktui back in his old position is really good. He's thriving there. It's good to see Tom Atkins playing some of his best footy of his career. He's dominating everything around when it comes his way. Guthrie, both Guthrie's playing fantastic. So I just feel like it's a, a really good spot the Cats are in and um, just a really solid foundation to launch into the second half of the season. So... Yeah, I'm really happy and couldn't ask for much more. Yes, sir. Sambo? Uh, yeah, can't really um, add too much onto what Johnny said. Um, I I agree. Eight and eight and four is um, yeah, great. I'm I maybe if you had have asked me, as John said, I don't know that I would have picked it to be this eight and four. You know what I mean? Like that yeah. <laughs> these ones, that this combination of wins and losses isn't necessarily what I would have foretold. Mm. Uh, but the positive signs in there is that we won some games that I didn't necessarily think we would win. You know, as well as a couple of losses in there that I didn't think we'd get, we evened it out with some pretty pretty darn good wins. Um, even even against the doggies as the last one. You know, the doggies were in form. We were. I mean, they were missing players, of course, as well. We were missing some players, but. Just, just with where where we were at, um, and how the season had gone thus far, I wouldn't have sniffed at us losing that one. Um, I would have backed us to come back strong in the next one against them. But yeah, I, I that one, um, the Brisbane one, you know, uh, even Port to a degree, the 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 way in which we were able to do Port was uh, not how I foresaw that one happening. Um, so there's there's been some been some really good ones. Um. Yeah, it's all it's all progress. I think we, you know, I'm I'm glad that we <laughs> never hit the panic station button. Um, you know, with some of those losses that I think we we kept a pretty even keel, and it's nice to see that thus far the signs are looking really good. Um, and that the team itself also feels pretty good about this. That their best football's ahead of them, and they're just starting to really lock into this system. Um, uh, and the idea of some of our Injury, injured players coming back. Some of the players hitting form at the same time because we've we've had a little bit of a Hawkins is in form, 
or it's Cameron or it's Stengel, but the 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 potential of two or three of them in one game consistently all hitting form is is pretty exciting. So, uh, you know, I, I feel really good about it. Um, I think this is a really good spot to be. We're flying under the radar a little bit, um, and I think we can make a really fucking strong run in the second half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it felt like, to me anyway, um, if I can make a sort of a, an NFL analogy, the New England Patriots, you know, so often renowned for, you know, in, in their 16-game season, they might start two wins, two losses or something, and people are going, oh, shit, don't know about it. It's a bit of a weird mix of players and things aren't quite clicking. And then come the middle part of the season, they start to churn and then come the business end, um, they're firing on all cylinders. Like, if that's the path that the Cats are trying to take, we've seen the, the, the sort of the struggles early doors in the season after the SNN win. Like, we had some really patchy stuff for about a month and a half where you'd have a great win, like the Brisbane one, and then you'd have, you know, your, your inexplicable, you know, a bit of a no-show against the Swans where we sort of got pumped um, mm. by 30 points. Um, there was, you know, issues with accuracy, issues with fumbling in slippery conditions, you know, the, the skills weren't clean, even in the dry conditions sometimes. Um, you know, the loss to Hawthorne, the loss down at home to Frio, the, the loss to the Saints, you know, after we looked in control for patches. But then right before you have your mid-season break, you go bang, bang, bang. Get three wins. You've got West Coast to start the next part of your campaign. You could make it four, then you go, you know, Richmond at Cadinia Park. I'm oh, sorry, rather at the MCG. Of course, Richmond aren't traveling down to Cadinia Park. We've got to go to play them, uh, you know, in their home ground for our home game. Um, then you've got North Melbourne down at Cadinia Park. So, you know, if you could get two out of the three, best case scenario be three out of three. Um, you know, I, I think you should expect to get two of those wins. So then you find yourself ten and five, or best case three. You're you're suddenly eleven and four. And you, you're essentially you're locked in finals. You're really still pushing around for that top four spot, and and you just saw those 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 few weeks a little bit more of that like look of Cameron, Hawkins and Stengel all playing well, and Myers as well. It it seemed like the groups were starting to come together uh, up forward. I thought. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's it's good to see. Jeremy Cameron playing out of his skin this year. Like you said, he's having a brilliant um, preseason. Mm. And it's good to see his form, outstanding form this year. I love it. It feels like we've kind of come out of the bye with the podcast as well. Like, I feel like I, I feel a little stilted. I feel a little, like, <laughs> a little, like, I feel like though it's, we're working into it's a long it. Time. It's a long putting, time between pods. Pants. And I've personally felt like, like if we Was can, <laughs> if we can, if, if we can peel back the curtain, you know, I, I think that, you know, for me, it's like, it's a big deal to get the body right after a weekend off, you know, getting the vocal cords right, getting it all, getting myself back in game shape has been tough, but I feel Definitely. like we're, we're working through the rust and, and we're starting to hum. That's what, that's just, just my read on it. Chat. You say hum or hump? Hum, hum, definitely humming. Um, nice. what is your been sort of your favorite 
sort of storyline, I guess, about this season, your sort of favorite plot point to the year? Um, you know, the, an example of a negative one before the season was, oh, they're too old. You know, there's the, all this stuff about Geelong's list, too old. You know, they're, they're, well, there's no youth. There's no sort of that or, you know, the, the old, there was, I suppose the other storyline was they're changing the game style. Now, I'll go to you first, Sambo. What's sort of been that one sort of key plot point for you? Um, and it only has to be key to you. It could be something very small. Um, you know, on a national scale, but for you as a cast um, man, what's the plot point? Well, I think I think you've pinched two really good ones there. Yeah, the major ones. Use them. So the, probably the the sort of gratification and the the reaffirmation of the youth that we've had coming through. You know, um, not only some of the debutants, you know, looking really lively, but some of those guys like uh, Zach Guthrie just turning into an absolute gun um, and sort of that young to middle age range guys um, really starting to look like just dominant players um, has been really encouraging. Uh, and it's something we always felt like would be the case. Um, so that's, that's been a really, um, yeah, really satisfying thing to see sort of, it does feel like a little bit of a narrative because it's something that we were sort of, um, spruiking last season was that this wasn't panic stations uh yet in terms of the age and that you know people focus on just a couple of players and sort of get get a little bit distracted by the overall picture so yeah pro probably that one i would say nice i like that johnny do you have a separate one i'm gonna go us? yeah i'm gonna go with the plot point of getting eddie Betts to the team mm. i feel like that's had a massive impact on the forward line, you're seeing a lot more players with the confidence to have a snap when usually you might have tried to stop and pass it off to someone else. They're, they're now looking a lot more confident that they can have a snap and get a goal. You've seen it with close a lot more this year. He's really going for those goals that he normally wouldn't go for last year. Brian Myers has, done, has snapped some brilliant roving goals. So I feel like with Eddie Betts there to train and teach and give those players confidence that just go for it just go for a snap if you think it's there go for it and it's playing play, paying dividends i reckon and it's just good to see them getting those um goals that would let other teams get so easily and now that we're paying paying them back a bit is fantastic and i think I feel like that's credit due to uh eddie betts training and teaching those young guys just crack have a crack if it misses it misses if it goes through, it's a brilliant goal and it gives the team confidence. So yeah, I'll take that one. Yeah. Um, well, I think I'd like to take, I think just the plot point of, um, I, I guess it's a, it's a big one, but the, you know, you contrast this, you look at, you know, the, all the talk in the off season, it's time to offload players. You know, it's time to get rid of players. It's it's time for for a rebuild. You know, and this was from fans and some sections of the media. Well, you, you know, you can't just keep doing this. We've got at some point you just got to take your losses and and blood the youth and trade away players for picks and this sort of thing. And the satisfying thing to me is has been look at the clubs that are doing this. Look at look at Port Adelaide 
who had an equivalent sort of age demographic to us last year, who went out at the same stage of the finals as us in embarrassing fashion, who had a worse, you know, or a, a, a sort of an equal sort of an equally bad draft hand as us. And they've been, you know, sort of shambolic. Look at North Melbourne, who have been in tank mode for years. You know, the rebuild, quote unquote, of North Melbourne's been going on for years and years. I, I suppose, you know, I'm touching on the same sorts of things as Sam, um, you know, in that team building sense that you, there, there's another way. The whole tanking thing is such old footy logic. And I feel like for me, we don't need to win a premiership this year to, to prove that. I think we've already proved it over the last 10 years, having remained competitive and not just competitive. Competitive means like, oh, they're a bit of a tough out. We've been like around that top four for 10 years since we, since we stopped winning flags. We went back to a grand final two years ago. We were one game away last year. Like it's been more than just being competitive, you know, and just because we haven't brought back a flag, other teams would be absolutely fucking moronic not to be looking at how the Cats have played it and go, can we do some of that? Like, are we in a position to take the same approach? So, yeah, I guess mine's a bit the same as yours, Sam. I'm, I'm really... I, I've, my favourite plot point has basically been the massive fuck you to everyone who said that it was going to hit the skids this year. Um and as I said in one of our last episodes, I don't know if we're going to win a premiership this year. I've got no idea. Um, I could see us just getting into the eight. I could see us clearing into the top four. I could see us winning a flag, but I, I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of open-ended possibility for this team, and that's what's exciting. It's not like, oh, fuck, the arrow is yeah. really pointing down here for the Cats. Well, it's, it's re yeah, it is really nice just to be contesting that we're well in, in the conversation for top yep. four. Uh, you know, when we know full well, there's people that had just completely written like whole swaths of people that had written us off for the top four, let alone written us off for the top eight, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, and, and that's not to say it won't happen, but it's, you know, it's at least nice that we are making a real run at it, that we're, we're genuine contenders, regardless of what happens for the rest of the season. At this point in time, uh, we're looking really strong. Yeah, we're looking like a a threat to everyone else, and so we should. We're they're a class team, the cats, and continuously prove everyone wrong. Yeah. Shove the big middle finger in their face and go. And I, up. you don't know what you're talking about. And honestly, I mean, Frio have made their run really early. Hmm. They're gonna have to sustain this run. Melbourne have just absolutely fallen apart. At this rate, we could just Stephen Bradbury it. And just yeah. just be there, <laughs> just the last one standing, and just swoop in and take it. Calvin <laughs> sort of hot, and they're sort of they're also falling apart. Players mm. are going down with injuries. They're not playing at their absolute scintillating best that they were at the start of the year. Brisbane are also looking a bit, you know. We we will end up with it. We'll end up with the Cats v Dogs Grand Final. We'll have to play oh, Jack scene three times no. in one fucking season. <laughs> God, no. the oh. the friendship will be tested. Yeah, uh. but yeah. I, I like those plot points because I feel like we covered it fairly fairly well in the preseason, saying that it was pretty a stupid place to be outside of the Geelong Cats, like a stupid place to stand and, you know, they've proven the wrong yet again. You know, as we mm. said, we've got this youth, but we've also got all this experience teaching the youth behind the scenes 
how to play the game really well. So you can't just keep bringing in youth going, oh, the youth will teach each other how to play this game. That's not how it works. You may as well get apprentice builders teaching other apprentice builders how to build a house. Let's see how that goes. Johnny with the analogies. I like it. Johnny with the metaphors, analogies. Um, it's a culture. It's a culture. Hey, do you want to bring do you want to bring the halftime horse in and do a little bit of trivia? We'll do the halftime horse. Let's do it. Let's bring the horse. Bring in. the horse. Come Let's here, horse. We got to wrangle what did the that. horse. Say? We got to wrangle yeah. the horse. Wait, the, the, the horse, Kate. Have you got the horse? Come on, Kate. This is the reason why we... the horse is dead. Sorry, everyone. Kate or Cole. Here we go. Thanks, Kate. Lollies are a spray from the coach. Lollies, absolutely. Lollies are a spray from the coach. Lollies, absolutely. That's what half times about. Yeah. Half times about trivia here, and I'm, nothing gets me more jazzed than pitting you guys against each other in a game of trivia. Going to oh, give each fuck. of you three questions. Um, and I do have a tiebreaker uh, question uh, teed up. Oh, we're going head to head here. Head to fucking. Oh, head. Jesus! I G- thought on. I thought we only right. did co- bloody socialist trivia here. Yeah, <laughs> the capitalists have taken over for this one one edition. Ah. So you don't have to go again. Like, I'm, I'll ask you a question. No, 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 no. Hold to it. I don't. I won't respect you if you're walking back now. Yeah. No, no, no. I was definitely. All, you I'm want saying... if you want to rip if you want to rip the group up. If you want to put division in the in this group, that's I respect you for doing that. This trivia might might be our Yoko Ono moment. Um, so I'll get, I'll get the whips. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's who, who wants, that one. I, I'm, I'm I think I, I think to be, and to be fair, I think I was having a crack at the wrong. The wrong beetle there. I think it was Paul McCartney that was supposedly in, into all kinds of freaky shit. <laughs> <laughs> Norwegian wood. Um, okay, let's go with Is that John. what he called his privates? You're up yeah. first, John. No. Okay. Liverpoolian. These are all questions about the cat's stats to the halfway point of the season. That the should first... be all over this being a podcast of the cat, so bring it on. Let's see if we can get it done. All right. So your first question, John, is which cat this season has the most disposals for the team? I'm going to go with Tom Stewart. John's going Tom Stewart. Disappointed! Tom Stewart is incorrect. Sam, would you like the opportunity to steal? Boah. I'll I'll try. Or you get well. Um, I yeah. probably I, wait. So if I steal, if I jump in, does this count as one of my three, or am I uh, stealing one of John's? No, you're stealing. You can steal an answer. Okay. I probably honestly would have gone Tom Stewart as well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, like I, I wouldn't just, advise it. <laughs> I feel like I've just uh, realized who it is, and uh, yeah. But oh, well. tell me who it is, John. No. Um. Most that. most disposal. I'm gonna go with Guthrie. Can. Yes, sir. Cam Guthrie. I knew it. I knew it. I was like, Tom Stewart was like, hang on. 
<laughs> for like 30 disposals in every single game. It <laughs> helps. It helps. All yep. right. All right. So, Sam, this comes around to your question now. Okay. Which Give me an easy one. Has the most uh, defensive half pressure acts. No. Um, the which, which cat has the most tackles in 2022 so far? Most tackles for the cats. In most tackles. Yeah. I'm guessing it's not Gary Rowan. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit. I'm going to go... Parfit. Yes, sir. Yes. Oh. Up a Slaughtering me. Point here. Uh, Johnny, we're back to you. Need to get a look. I'm, oh, no. I need you to get on the board here. You know, need to. Yeah. I'm giving you, I've brought you into the corner here. Sam's landed some early blows. I've got you in the early blows. I'm bounce, yeah. bouncing around in my corner like an idiot, <laughs> wasting energy because I'm confident. <laughs> Time to rub some of that ice on John's face. That's right. You know, the, You're still the, in the this, knuckle John. duster ice. You're still in this, John. I'm still in this. Um, Consume some water, but spit it out. Don't swallow it. Sports right. people never swallow it. Spit some, <laughs> spit some teeth into uh, this bucket. All right, here we go. Um, John, who has the most marks for the cats in 2022? The most uh, marks. Ooh, that's a tough one. Mm. Most marks. Who has clunked the most marks with the cats in 2022? The tension. It's, it's tough. Sam's looking down. I feel like Sam's looking up on his phone. I was just looking at my crush. You know, I'm going to. It's probably way wrong, but I'm going to say Mark Blixevs. Like he's taking. That's honestly who I would have guessed as well. It is ah, Mark Blixevs. Um, All right. Well, I, well, I know my guess wasn't wouldn't have been right. Um. So your opportunity to steal here, Sam. Take a three. Tom Stewart. Lead. Sorry. Tom Stewart going in hard. Tom Stewart. That's your final answer. That is my final answer. Lock it in. Yes, sir. Oh, what oh. The <laughs> Sam has successfully stolen here. Now, again. Oh, this is the next big question. Now, I just got to say, John, right now, we have got you back in the corner, and now, as a, as your coach, I'm starting to, like, you know, I, I'm trying to keep you hyped here. I'm trying to keep you in it, but. We're really we're 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 almost starting to talk about damage control here because one more answer. I think I'm saying and I'm done. It's a percentage it's, game at a certain point. <laughs> it's done. So that brings us to Sam's question. So we so oh. Sam can lock it up here after the seal. Sam, who has the most spoils for the cats in 2022? The most spoils. That is actually a really tough one. Um, Most spoils for the cats in 2022. I am going to 
go. Uh, it's a risky. It's a risky guess, but I'm gonna go Sam De Koning. <laughs> uh, okay. I, have to, I have to say i think i was only confident on literally one of those ends <laughs> the rest was pretty fluking it. Oh, jesus i got that was horrendous by me that's all right john sometimes that let's face it the trivia the chaps trivia arena what do is... i win shut up what do i win <laughs> <laughs> Let's get to the real important stuff here. Well, well since so you trophy or... on one of those answers, I'll say I'll give you 1% of my respect. Thank you, John. <laughs> um, well, on Sam. top of the fact that I already had 99% of your respect, I'm now at the full quota. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you can choose from a luxury holiday uh, tour of Hawaii. Uh, you can also choose to drive away today in this Amish horse and cart um or i don't know i can get you a scratchy or something how about that sound good <laughs> excellent uh, i'll take i'll take the amish horse and cart thanks fantastic <laughs> um all right so with that out of the way uh could have been a team building exercise instead yeah. it was <laughs> team morale annihilation <laughs> i fucking, I fucking warned you uh, uh, warned you <laughs> you've taken my body to the grave <laughs> you were trying to yeah, trying to build, build the energy of the podcast up well now you've just you trodden on it. Yep. And we're, we're separately, separately pressed. All yeah, right. Now at the back of my house. Who was was Blixar's <laughs> far behind in the in the spoils? In the marks. Uh, in the spoils. Spoils. Because because I was kind of like wondering if it was, it was kind of him, Tom Stewart, and SDK that I had in my head. Uh, in spoils, Tom Stewart and Mark Blixar's were the next two. Oh. Yeah. Shit. Well, can I have extra Amish carts because I had <laughs> the top three in my guess. All right. Nice. Uh, no. Uh, let's, there's only one uh, awesome card. Uh, let's cap this baby off uh, with some mid-season awards. Uh, that's what we want. Some mid-season awards. Uh, don't think we've got a sound drop for um, the mid-season awards, but we do have a special... Um, musical act to help us bring in the final segment. Oh, um, yes. Didn't no expense was spared. So musical act uh, to bring you into the second half of the pod. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much uh, to our special guest performer. There, uh, we can now start the mid-season awards show um john i'll go to you first for this one okay what's my question and how much this... am i going to lose <laughs> yeah well, how can i steal this one <laughs> yeah sam will have an opportunity to steal um best play of the year now this could be a magical moment could be a you know passage of play um, play of the year. I heard Mamma Mia was pretty good. Beat back. Oh, oh yep. yeah. Very good. Hamilton. That <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. know specifically where it was playing, but that thing seems to just always be playing. Yep. Cat on a hot tin roof. I think it's playing in my backyard in the, in the next few nights. Yeah. They're just always looking for a spot. They're yep. like, Hamilton just can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> so roll on. Uh, <laughs> uh, so well, um, I'm going to go all the way back to the Collingwood game. Mm -hmm. um, it was 
Jeremy, the play leading up to Jeremy Cameron's goal that gave us the lead. And it was just a good piece of play by not only Joel Selwood, but um, Isaac Smith, it was when it was on a, out, just outside the defensive 50. Joel Selwood got it, handballed it onto, I think, Mitch Junkin, who got tackled and dropped it. And a Collingwood player picked it up. And then Joel Selwood was back in there again and ripped it out of the Collingwood player's hand. Hand hands and was able to handball it under pressure to Isaac Smith. He was then able to handball it to Sam DeConey, who then handballed it over to Luke Dalhouse, who was able to do a little check side kick to Jeremy Cameron. And I thought that was just summed up the night for the Cats in that last mm-hmm. quarter, seeing Joel Stowood just will himself to get the ball twice, fight for it, place a perfectly weighted handball into Isaac Smith, and then to see SDK in not many games that to that point, just calmly, confidently, under a bit of pressure, but looked like he was in full mm. control, pass it between a couple of Collingwood players onto a running Dalhouse, who was able to easily run and kick it nicely to Cameron, and I thought that was just summed up that night, summed up the Cats as a team of how well they can play when they're on song. Love it. No argument from me. Sambo? Uh, mine is much more recent. It's not the ye olde Collingwood game, but the uh, the Bulldogs game. <laughs> um, and it's my favourite for a couple of reasons. A few reasons. Uh, one, it includes my man Gary Rowan. <laughs> So he, he he caps off the moment, but it's it was about I was 16, 16 and a half minutes gone in the uh, first quarter, um, and first of all, the center bounce and Stanley wins it. Now it's the center bounce because the game always starts in the middle, as the uh, prophet Cameron Ling said. Um, <laughs> and in this particular moment, when it starts in the middle, it Stanley wins the hit out, which is a tick straight away because he's such a maligned player in the general AFL media and he is a gun and he's been doing some of his career best work this year, in my opinion. He taps it down to uh, Cam Guthrie, uh, who just does what Cam Guthrie does, reels it in, gives a hand pass off to Parfit, which is then sort of where it starts because Parfit's another one of those players that's just so um, flies under the radar. And, you know, in the in the talk of Geelong being old, blah, 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 He's the sort of demographic that really gets overlooked of like, we've got really good players that are neither just coming up out of the VFL or being drafted, but also aren't retiring anytime soon. You know, we've got a really good staple sort of group there. Um, And he passes off to Cooper Stevens, who slots it forward with a really nice kick to the lead of Rowan, who concusses Dalehouse taking the mark, but it's all right because he then kicks the goal. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> um, it's a really simple play. It was a really simple moment, but the reason I picked it is because we love magic moments. We love really special things, but a game is only made up of a couple of those. Uh, and goals like this, it's just like the quintessential AFL goal. You know, it's the, it's the hit out to a midfielder, couple of hand passes, really beautiful kick to a leading run from a forward who gets it and then kicks a goal from, you know, just inside the 50. Like it's just a classic piece of AFL football. And it's something that I feel like 
it's just really gratifying to see the cats putting that together because we always we've always known they can do special things they can pull freak stuff out of out of the box um but it's a little bit like johnny's goal i think it's a it's a similar i've picked a similar one in terms of it's just the the team working together they everyone's doing what they should do um they're under pressure but they're not looking like it and um yeah, it's it's the kind of goal that's probably never going to end up on a highlights reel. But for me, it was just like, this is what the team should be doing 75% of the time. If we can just keep doing this, you know, a great percentage of that time, of that time we're going to get goals out of it. Um, so that was, that was mine. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the moment specifically, but yeah, it was just a really fucking solid piece of teamwork uh, and ended with a Gary Rowan goal. So I couldn't go past it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Um so many moments just from that game that I, I that mm-hmm. that game to me was like a, a i guess a microcosm of our season start hot yeah. with a thrashing two middle parts of it you know you you're worried and things are up and down then you you finish strong i think you made that comparison in our recap episode sam um uh yeah I think so. my moment that i'm picking is is a quarter of play also from that bulldogs game um mm. i'll give an honorable mention um, to a nice little passage of play. I think it was in the Adelaide Crows game or the Port game with a Francis Evans hand pass over the back of the head to Cooper Stevens, who got it to Brian Myers, who goaled just a nice passage of youngsters um, mm-hmm. playing. But I'm, I've got to go with just a, a moment where a guy had just ice in his veins uh, when the team needed him most, the, the, the team's sixth shooter. Uh, the last quarter against the Bulldogs, the gap narrows to five points after five minutes played. The Dogs looking on the charge. They've kicked back-to-back goals. On the 11-minute mark, Jeremy Cameron goes back and slots his fourth goal of the night. The Dogs narrow it to five again after 18 minutes. 22-minute mark, Jeremy Cameron slots his fifth. His 24-minute mark, Jeremy Cameron slots his sixth. Those three set shot goals that Jeremy Cameron kicked in that last quarter for the Cats against the Dogs to me was just, that's exactly why you brought him to the club to stand up in that big moment and go, I'm going to, I'm going to shut the door here. I'm going to shut the door on the Dogs. Uh, It's game over here. I'm kicking my goals when I get the opportunity. So that to me um, was my, magic moment my play of the season because he was just automatic basically just cometh the moment cometh the man um so that Mm. one was Mm. mine uh let's move on to a couple other awards here we've done goal of the year essentially haven't we we all talked about goals Do do you have one like one goal in particular that just stands out stylistically that you like I do, I do, yeah. and it could have also been my favorite player of the year. But I I did have so you could you could swap them around, um. But <laughs> but mine was I think it was Myers third goal, the spin. I think it was or maybe maybe it was his second. Maybe it was his second. Uh, I'm trying to think now. It was the one when he was getting slung around in the tackle, and just sort of smacked it on the boot. Just you just, you couldn't even see how he had time to sort of think about it let alone actually perform it um so it was it was really hotly contested ball came from jeremy cameron got taken down the tackle and managed to get a hand pass out myers got it 
in the tackle managed to sling around and just it's a really scrappy moment um so again it's it's not the one that the afl are ever going to put in their goal of the week um head eye tackle as well it's a head eye to virtually gets grabbed by the neck and swung around and just some of that Eddie Betts training kicks in and he just knows with an infrared sensor where the goals are and in the middle of a va- of a bloody blender managed mm. to get it on the boot and into the goal. Um, and again, it's kind of the opposite kind of goal to the, the previous one I was talking about, but it's, it's the kind of goal I was asking for where I was like, yes, we can get, you know, goals from outside 50 on the siren, et cetera. Jeremy Cameron can kick him from anywhere, but we need some of those goals that are just goals that we're just getting them in there, (laughs) you know, by hook or by crook. And this was really one of those. So you could sort of swap either of these, my plays around the play or the goal. It's not necessarily about that final kick so much as it is about the, the effort that goes into them. I'm going to go back to the giants game. And it was, I think it was, Hawkins handballs onto Myers, who then goes for a snap. You can see it's sort of not on target. It's going to bounce in, inside the centre square. And then Tyson Stengel is running into goal with a Giants player right on him, and he just sticks the boot out mm. to get the ball. Just, you know, hoping to get the ball, and he does a perfectly timed kick, which hits the ball at the perfect spot, and he suckers it in for a, for a goal. Mm. I just thought that was a... Really great moment for Stengel and the Cats. It was just a yeah. brilliant goal. You know? That's it happened those... so fast that minute. I it remember kind of going, and... what just happened? <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's again like the Grind Myers goal. You don't know what's happening, but it's those opportunities that need to be taken that the Cats are now taking at every chance they can. And sometimes it doesn't pay off, and sometimes it turns out to be a really good goal and one that gets the team fired up. Absolutely. Uh, my goal actually came in a loss, um, but it was... I didn't even look at any of those. Yeah. <laughs> it was... It's going to be Swans? No, no. It was no. the loss to Fremantle, the final goal of the game, Mark Blixarves on the run uh, from yeah, 50, yeah. just absolutely launching one, the big man. Um, I loved that. I, I just think just, yeah, just a great fucking kick. goal. Yeah, because I just hit the sweet spot. I just sometimes love that when, when a player sinks the slipper and it goes straight through the big sticks. I like that one a lot, and I love Mark Blixard. So um, that was my goal of the year so far. Um, most improved player. Uh, Johnny, you start with this one. Most improved oh, player. Well, most improved player for me. I'm going to go with Tom Atkins. If we compare him from last year to where he was from last year to this year, I think his improvement is just out of this world. What he's been able to bring to the team, the pressure acts, the tackles, the run he's able to do to meet his game, just everything about his game has just improved immensely. Um, And as I said earlier, he's playing some of the best footy of his career and, it's hard to see him taking a back step from here. So, yeah, I think Atkins is the most improved player for the Cats this year. I like it. Yeah, Sambo. great call. Uh, well, do you, ha- do you have one first? Because I've got two, and I, I, I'll choose. I'll let you go first because I have a feeling you'll probably pick one of the two that I've got, and then I'll do the other one. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll go Zach Guthrie then. Um, okay. 
I'll go Zach Guthrie. Um, he was one of the two, yes. Okay, excellent. That's good. <laughs> uh, most, you know, it all came to sort of a, a head last weekend against the Bulldogs. Um, you know, I, I believe he had 11 marks, which was most on the ground. He had the most intercept possessions. When at something like 87.5% kicking efficiency, he's bulked up, but not just in body, in mind too. You know, in getting, you know, in getting shredded, feel like he's also psychologically got shredded he makes great decisions he's confident mm. that goal he kicked i believe it was against the giants sort of was looking to launch the ball inside 50 realized he had space ran through the paint and just sunk uh, a, a beautiful goal uh zach guthrie for me most improved player this season right. yeah i think i think they're both great picks i think zach guthrie was on mine because he is a little bit overlooked in the uh against the elephant in the room which is mm. the the one that I will go for, the giant golden elephant in the room, uh, which is I mean, Sam DeConing. I, I like, like, yeah, there's there's not much more you can say except just I mean, like he's he's phenomenal. Like he's a he's gone from this sort of slightly confused and bewildered kid with potential that that couldn't quite find his feet, and we all thought he you know did well in the BFL, and we all thought he had a lot of potential. Um, but he just never looked at home and we theorized it was because he, his heart was in the forward line um, and that he just wasn't playing his best where we were putting him. But um, clearly that wasn't the case because he is, he's come out and been an absolute force to be reckoned with. I mean, his improvement um, from, you know, from his debut to now is just out of sight in the, in the very, very small window of time that it's been. Um, And that you're not even questioning, you know, you're not even questioning him being put on Norton, whoever whoever they put him on. It's you you you're never going ah oh, they're putting the nine this nineteen year old kid on the on the key forward. Um, it's just it's expected that the, the and the, the way that not only is he slotted into our defence, but the defensive formation and you know judging by what Chris Scott often says in the press conferences and and the um the pregame as well, he's not only slotting into the defence, but the defence is actually forming around him. That he's kind of their new true north to a degree he has freed up stewart to be more effective more all over the ground um and that he whatever whatever they they assign sdk to do influences what they're gonna where they're gonna send the rest of the defense so yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty hard to overlook the the way that he has just reshaped and um yeah re reaffirmed our our reshored up our defense because you know, it's not so long ago that Tom Stewart going down in the in early in the second quarter would have been game ending for us. Mm. Um, but thanks to all three of the dudes that we've just mentioned, um, it's not the case anymore. It was a frustration, but we we never lost faith that the lads could get it done. So, um, yeah, exciting, and it's an exciting backline. Yeah, <laughs> um, your mid- and Henry to still return. True, yeah. Henry to return, Menegola still to return, so players to Holy come back. Uh, Brandon Parfit, obviously, we're going to be missing as well. That's something that we'll touch on in the preview pod, that, you know, Parfit's now out for an sort of extended period of time. Um, but we can get into that. Uh, your most valuable player through the first half of the season. John, rattle one. Oh, Who is it? Who's the most valuable? one or two in mind. It right. may not be the... Um... The most valuable, it's a tough player. one. I'm most valuable player. I'm gonna go. I'm, I was gonna go with 
someone from the back, but I might go to the forward line. I'm going to go with Jeremy Cameron. Okay. I think the last few games he's been playing have been immensely valuable for the Cats, and I don't think we'd be where we are if it wasn't for Cameron. Um, Hawkins wouldn't be playing as well as he was as he is now. If Cameron wasn't there, he would be double teamed every single game. Um, and now he's free to do what he does best, which is bring the portal line into the game, bring young players into the game and give Jeremy Cameron as much space and opportunity as he needs to do what he does. And what he does is spectacular. And he's really finding that sensational form that he said he was getting into preseason. And yeah, we, I don't think we could have, we may have had a difficult time against the Bulldogs if Cameron wasn't there, so and many other games. And so I think midway through, he's been our most valuable player. Um, he hasn't got the votes in our MVP of the year, but I think in the second half, he'll be getting a pretty consistent voting poll, I reckon. So yeah, Jeremy Cameron for me. Sambo? Shit, it's tough. It's really mm-hmm. tough. I think... I th- <laughs> there's there's so many players I could pick. I think I'm going against our votes just because I think our votes speak to the statistical side of things a little bit more. Um, and I'm going to look more at the soul of the thing. Uh, and I'm going to go really against statistics here and say that our most valuable player is the, the Moroccan Sunset. Uh, so oh, wow. it's actually, I I think last. I think the fact that he's statistically doing wow. less, but still running out so much of the game. And now this is the, the the misleading part about this is I guess if we're, we are talking about the first half of the season, so I should be looking at it more under a microscope in terms of just those games, but mm. I'm not. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking at longer term consistency and also the Bulldogs, you know, the, the three quarter time incident with the Bulldogs, I think was really a very outward indication of the way he sets up our team, that he is, he is a leader from the front um, and simultaneously a leader from the back and, and the front. And that I think we would, because it doesn't show up on the stat sheet a lot, I think we would be really surprised did we, if we lost Tui for a couple of weeks at the effect it would have that I'm, this is this is me looking in my crystal ball a little bit here and, and and kind of theorizing that the reason all these different age demographics and players coming in from all over the all over the shop and playing so well together lines up with a little post game interview with Tui where they asked him you know if he was just sort of chilling out and having fun in different areas and he said that his new role is to support the team as best he can wherever he can and I, my theory is that he's roaming around the ground and being put in different spots to, to, to shore up all those little gaps, all the cracks that might, that might appear and that he's the player to kick a, he can kick a goal when we need a goal. He can lay a tackle when it's really on the line and he can go in when Stanley's getting shit on by the opposition as we go in for the huddle. He's the one to go in and toe the line arguably not do anything illegal but fire the team up stand up for for stanley and and put himself on the on the line um and i just yeah i just i really think it was a real reminder for me that tui is like the rock underneath it all i think 
for me um and that he doesn't get enough love because he's not so much a statistical force anymore yeah nice. that, that's a great call that's a compelling really? argument and and both of your players that you've nominated are in our top six for votes uh so far two is number six is two is six oh, yeah. did you stretch that from top five to top six but, just to accommodate but, well, I, I, I stretched it there was, it was quite a gap there was a five point gap between him and and, and the seventh place team up uh, seven play seventh placed player um mm-hmm. but I, I, my player also is in the top six for votes um, and I'm going with our votes. I think if we removed Mark Blixarves from the team, similarly like to what you said about Tui, I think Blixarves is so flexible. Whether you can mm. throw, he's, mm. he's got the most hitouts for the team. You know, he's up there in clearances, he's up there in tackles, he's up there in spoils and marks. And I, I just think he's a remarkable uh, Swiss Army knife of a player. So I, I think he would be one that you would miss a lot. Um, if he was removed from the team, just because of the diversity he gives you with the amount of different um, spots you can play him in. So I'm going to, yeah, go with the same way that our voting has gone across the first half of the season. But I liked your votes as well. I like those. Uh, any final thoughts before we sign off from the mid-season review, chaps? No, I mean, there's no. so many compelling arguments for so many other players for yeah. that vote as well that um, Tom Stewart and Sam DeConing could easily have been a pick. Yeah. <laughs> in I their... thought one of you was going to pick Tom Stewart. I knew he picked Tom Stewart. Well, I, I knew Jake would go either Blixarves or Tom Stewart, yeah. um, was was my feeling. Um, and I think, I think as our votes show, I think Blixarves probably <laughs> probably is, but... I knew, I knew we, we had to keep it interesting and, <laughs> and throw some throw some love around, Johnny. We didn't uh, want to go all the, just the same, same and be a beep boop bop. We were a robot going, yep, Mark Blixavs is the best. And it does it does track. It does track if, if Jake like can leave with the statistical player. <laughs> it does make a lot of sense. It does make a lot of sense. Well, I think um, it was... makes a lot of sense for Johnny to go with uh, Jeremy Cameron too. So we're all just playing to type here. <laughs> Indeed. And for me to pick you. someone that no one would even consider. I thought you were going to go with Gary Rowan. <laughs> I was like, ah, I can't pick him. I'll... What's the next closest to being a redhead? Oh, he's got well, a red mustache. Okay. Both, both of them were interesting picks. Uh, and the, the, the case for Tui is really interesting. Um, and obviously, yeah, Cameron, as I said, he was the player I thought who really stood up to, you know, slam that door shut um, against the dogs. Well, chaps, that is the mid-season review out of the way. There's 10 games of regular season footy left for the Cats now. It's West Coast... Uh, this weekend so we'll do do a preview pod of that one for you guys you can also as I said a couple of days time you can go and have a listen to our AFLW um, sort of state of play episode where we look at all the off season ins and outs and trades and all that sort of thing from the AFLW signing period for the Cats that's about it. You can also watch Draft Wars on the Hoops YouTube channel. But if you could do us a favor, go and subscribe to our account on Twitter. Go and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review, etc. Pump those numbers up. We're looking right. for 500. Uh, yeah. Uh, Follow us on Twitter. On Twitter. Yep. 
Go the cats! Go the cats!